passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to Post Wrestling. It's John Pollock here with you. Joining us today, uh, someone that has been all over the wrestling news landscape this past week with the launch of NWA Power this past Tuesday night at 6.05 p.m. Eastern Time. A man that has been on this show in the past, David Lagana, with us, Vice President of the NWA. David, how are you? I'm great. And how many R's are in power? Well, I guess you can be the determining factor on if it's an effect, if it's a pronunciation. Uh, where do we where do we land on the NWA style guide of how NWA power should be pronounced? See, I think you just said it with three R's. So um, <laughs> the way you said it in your very Canadian way, power A. Uh, no, <laughs> um, no, oh God, I'm going to hear the end of it. By the way, I, I, I made sure the placement of the Canadian flag was in north to south with the, uh, uh, you know, the placement of the American flag in Mexico, then somehow Brazil and then uh, uh, Israel showed up on that side as well. There, there was a lot of there was a lot of discussion on where the flags were placed. So I didn't want to piss off my Canadian brother up there. So, well, that that attention to detail is, is duly noted uh, north of the border uh, up here amongst your <laughs> Canadian viewership. You know, we're we're talking, you know, several days removed. And I mean, there's. There's no point to talk about kind of the, the the reaction to this show, but I mean, you have to imagine having conceived of this idea with Billy Corgan, what was the feeling as that show went live and then when the early reaction started to come in on Tuesday night? Was this sort of the scale that was the ultimate home run in the back of your head or something that just you, you couldn't even put maybe a a scale on, on will this land with wrestling fans or not? Yeah, it was uh... – it was definitely a gamble, and, and I don't know if you and I spoke, but I know I had multiple people ask me to look at it in advance because I, I understand it's helpful for people to do reviews in advance because it's I understand the um, glut of wrestling content that's out there in the world. But for the first one, I wanted 100% everyone, including our talents. Only only Nick Aldis saw the, uh, the show in advance, and it's only because he lives in the same – zip code as I am. And, and he uh, used his powers of persuasion to kick my door down to look at it. But other than that, nobody other than Billy Corgan and I saw the show. So we wanted everyone to experience it from the Dawkins song to um, the look, the vibe, the pictures gave you the audience's vibe, but obviously we shot the other way. And, and, you know, it was a conscious effort to keep it very much uh, bottled up so that when everyone watched it, it became this I hate using the word viral, but it did. It's it's and this is one of the reasons we went with the extra R because you're like, wait, why is the word power trending with three R's? It was all very conscious decisions to live in a culture where attention is everything. And as Billy has said in multiple interviews, and I think it was even in the the documentary piece that Ari Dalton directed, uh, we wanted to win the day. And you know, as as the numbers showed, you know, uh, AW Dark ended up helping us 
get new viewers based upon our good friends at YouTube and the suggested video algorithm. You know, two shows that run with long watch time worked very well together. And I, I know what they sent us, and I, I'm very curious about what we sent them as well. And it actually worked really well together. So as far as the the reaction, it was um, it's kind of like a snowball rolling downhill. Because obviously, I, I knew it was going to be big about uh, 20, 30 minutes before, because there were 800 people waiting in the YouTube chat room, you know, that were waiting for the show to start. And 800, I think, or 1,000 was our best uh, live premiere for a video ever. And I think that's when we announced the TV. So, you know, here we were 20 minutes out, and we could just feel it coming. And then, you know, the peak the peak viewership on, on YouTube Live was, I think, was 14,000, again, for a channel that only had before the show aired 82,000 subscribers and Facebook, I think peaked at 3,300. And so it was just, it was all just very overwhelming. And then it just, it just kept coming. And I think it was really sort of the power of the clips being on Twitter. You know, we really, and, and if people knew how small the team is, it's me and my cat monkey as, as he has become a huge star. People at the taping asked about my cat, which was very weird. Um, you know, it's ultimate creative control. Comes oh, down. The, well, the cat did see it, but he he wasn't impressed. And <laughs> uh, but it, that's the look that many in in my world have always given me on many things. But you know, it was you know I think we we executed a very simple game plan. You know, and I think it shows the idea that fans want to be surprised. And I mean, I, I listened to your guys' review. How surprised were you that that's what the show was? I I went in and I like I wasn't going in necessarily expecting. Uh, what it was going to be. So that to me was part of the appeal of this, of why I was going to go out of my way to watch this on Tuesday night, as opposed to try and get to it later in the week, because uh, I'll tell you that, you know, I understood kind of, you know, you guys have been putting out the ideas for a while, but to me last week, when the photos came out at the tapings and you saw the set, I think that was the buy-in for a lot of people that I'm going to give this a try because this looks so different. It's a throwback. How are they going to, update it to a 2009 audience. And I think that was sort of where the curiosity bug hit a lot of people was when they got to see this vision YouTube been talking about for a long time, uh, actualized with those, those set photos. And, you know, for, for, for Billy and I, this has been a three year journey since our, our friends with the wicked owl have, uh, radically changed a lot of people's lives, you know, and what we were going to do next. And, you know, when the NWA became a thing for us, you got to look at the assets available and then the assets that we can recreate. And, you know, 10 pounds of gold, the documentary series um, is based on, you know, the, uh, the vlog culture of Gary Vaynerchuk and, you know, this whole world. And, and it's 20, you said 2009, 2019 um, that we live in. And, you know, you, you and you and Way have been always ahead of the curve, you know, from various different ways, all the way back to the Fight Network and, and how you guys have pivoted. People consume in a far different way. And, and the number one question we got from 2017, when are you going to have TV? When are you going to do TV? And we wanted to wait. And it was really sort of a calculated decision because we could have done this two years ago. But I think what's been really good is we've slowly seeped into the consciousness so that when we did this premiere – you know, it was a lot bigger because we've sort of touched a lot of different companies and talents over the last two years of doing this. And so we wanted that first impression to be really strong and, and, and to be able to create a show that felt really familiar. But I think the key is it moved at a pace that 
I don't think a lot of wrestling shows move at. There was no fat on that show. Like it was, except for me, uh, you know, as far as like, uh, like it just moved it. We, and, and we tried it with Crockett cup and I was pushing the ring of honor crew to move a lot faster than they do. And, and we want a pace that, that fits the modern era where people have their phones in their hands. And before it used to be, Oh, I'll just change the channel. People don't, people don't consume content that way. They just, they'll just click off. So one of the nicest compliments I got from a reporter was I watched your whole show and I didn't pick up my phone once. And I thought that was really nice. And, you know, that's the pace we were going for that. You just, you didn't get lost in the show and it didn't, it never made you feel like, Oh, what's next. And that's where we really felt good about it. I thought, I thought, and I mentioned this when Way and I discussed it was the moment when Eddie Kingston is starting to brawl with the Dawsons and all of a sudden we pan over and it had already been introduced with James Storm and Josephus, but suddenly that issue is ongoing. And that to me really hit home, like the chaotic nature that anything can happen. And I, I thought just with that, that scene alone, I thought that really conveyed the aim of what you guys were, what your objective was. Well, and, and that was the, 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 the team at GPB did such an amazing job and, you know, it was a risk, you know, looking at sort of as as rest like like the, the the people who've done production and pro wrestling. It's it's a very small, tiny circle. I mean, there there there's WWE has their very strong team. I mean, they have the best team because they execute on a weekly basis. Then there was a team at TNA, which is the exact everyone who's doing AEW is all the people that did TNA when I worked there. So from Keith Mitchell to uh, Kevin Sullivan, to, it's all the same people that were in TNA from 2000 and whenever till 2016 before Anthem took over. So, you know, they have a very experienced team that, that produced the show basically the same way that TNA was produced. Uh, and then, so for us, we, st- I mean, the only, the only people that, that, that have produced wrestling that were not sort of wrestling people that are here were Matt Conway came in and did what he did well is basically being a, a creative outlet for uh, Billy and I to work with and formatting. And we had two camera guys who shot WCW, um, back in the, the late eighties and early nineties and, a and somebody who worked over at the Techwood studio, he was a, an engineer. So it was really nice, but everybody else was brand new. Our lighting director, you know, came from GPB. She actually looked up how the old studio show was done. And so there are these cans over the ring, um, like scoops shooting down. And, and she goes, it's weird to light this way, but this is how they did it. And we tried to replicate it at every level that we could, but obviously making it look as good as possible with what we had to work with. So, you know, it was a really, it was really, a, I was, was quite nervous, you know, and, and I was there ironing flags as everyone saw, you know, and, and making sure every element I was there from load into the, to the last set piece was loaded out on Wednesday and waiting for drives to transfer uh, to make sure that this went as smooth as possible. And, you know, it, it's, it exceeded our expectations and the, the chaotic nature of that room the whole room is a set. You know, you, you saw James Storm and Josephus brawl up into the seats. And, like, it was like this crazy Jerry Springer-like thing. And the crowd, and ultimately, the crowd became uh, characters on the show. And, and I think people will make it a destination to want to go to that because now they're part of the show in a way that it's not really common in a lot of wrestling shows now. Can you talk a little bit about the 
the elements and the the planning that went into the set design because I thought that was an aspect you guys had to nail that and it had a real clean professional look to it. What was sort of the the lead time of preparing for for that aspect in this uh, in this space that you guys obviously scouted with that look in mind? So you know, Billy, I, I had looked at the space I think a month or a, six weeks before Billy went to look at it, and you know, it, it was really and and I looked at. I'd looked about nine spaces, uh, including Austin Idol's um, uh, Wrestle Center that he is uh, launching, which is a real place that one person actually thought well, that was not a real place, but it was. Uh, I looked at that. I looked at a couple places in North Carolina, looked at Nashville, uh, and, and ultimately um, the, the 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 GPB studio just was perfect on every level. They had everything we wanted. So once Billy came he fell in love with it. And, you know, originally we weren't going to use the seats. We were going to shoot the other way and really try to make it look like the exact version. And he goes, the seats are too good. And, you know, I think, I think that's where the crowd really became part of the show. So the planning really evolved. You know, the set was designed by a woman named Paula, who was an Emmy award winning set designer. And she didn't have a lot of time. And we just, we showed her the old school way. And we said, just make it feel modern, but with touches of the old one. So she looked at, at, both the uh that's why we mixed originally like georgia championship wrestling i think had the desk i don't think it ever had the desk and the podium so we went with the best of both worlds and she pulled it off in a week and a half you know it was it was down to the wire and i hadn't i saw i saw drawings but when i and one one of the the extras stayed late one night to basically strip the uh strip the ropes clean and i got this picture at like 2 30 on saturday night sunday morning and i literally thought i was dreaming i get this picture and i'm like what is it what am i looking at i was half tired it was one of the six hours i slept the whole week and i saw the set and i remember going over at 9 a.m and just i couldn't believe it like it was so it, it it's so big but it like it, it fits the room and it's just the whole environment i mean every the whole the set's a character like the set's over like i don't know a talent in any version of wrestling that wouldn't want to step on that set and, and cut a promo nowadays. Cause it, it, it will be the place that the best talkers come to connect with an audience. Unlike anywhere in wrestling. Is that, is that the element to you and Billy and the team that is first and foremost is your ability to get your message across in this format? Is that, is it a, a multitude of factors that you're looking at, or is there the the one specific element that you know this is this is where you know we're going to hang our hat on great speakers on this show? Yeah, I mean that was designed all the way back to uh, I think the themes that came through, and you know it was verbalized: real men who can speak passionately from their heart about what they're authentically into. If you don't bounce off of that, then you don't appear on this television show. Um, there will be no uh, sci-fi aliens, um, you know, appearing on the show. Although, uh, although, didn't the new breed come from this time period, or was it 2002? Remember the new breed, not not the bad ECW version of. Uh, actually, I did like that group, but you know, weren't the new breed from this future? Wasn't yes. Dusty Rhodes president? Uh, yes. I don't remember the year they came from, but we wanted uh, they can appear on this show. But no, it's it's real men. Men, you know, and 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 everyone has their opinion on what pro wrestling should or shouldn't be. But for us, we have the sh- a very, very strong group of communicators. I hate to say talkers, but I say communicators. Right. And everybody that's on this show fits this format in one way or another. The wrestling is still good. And I think 
I think Nick Aldis proved what I think he's been proving for two years. And it's funny to hear people go, wow, he's so good. Well, he's had two years in this role. And, and great. If, if, if they're just discovering it now, there's a wealth of content that they can go through on our YouTube channel, um, which has had a giant explosion in, in two days. We, we added uh, we added 25,000 subscribers in one day. We went from 85,000 to 110,000 and it just keeps growing. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, we put a lot of hard work, but you know, when, when you put something up that people really resonate with shows, they want to do more, but yeah, I mean, if you can talk and you can emote and size is important, but obviously being able to talk is number one, that that's, that's, that podium is, is key. And, and I don't, and I, I said to Bully Ray and Mark Henry, I said, boy, I'd love to have you guys come in and cut a promo once. I think I think they would enjoy the experience because there's not a and I've said it before in some other interviews I've done this week in traditional pro wrestling. Now, you cut it, you cut a promo to the camera on a hard camera side where sometimes there aren't people and you're literally ignoring 75 percent of the audience in this environment. It's you facing a, a panel of fans up to 255 who are giving you instant feedback. And it's like having a, a conversation eye to eye. Not many people have conversations, minus obviously this one, where they're not looking somebody in the eye. And I think it's important to that level of communication. And I think it rang true in, in the reaction you got from the audience. I've always believed that, you know, you're going to get the the best out of your talent when you put that kind of agency into their hands. Like you're out there to get this across and it's sink or swim. And and when you're in those kind of protected environments, the risk isn't there. And when you're put out there, I think that's when you're going to get the best out of these people because th there is not one person that wants to go out there and not live up to the bar that's been set by those before and after them on a program like that. And hopefully in a, in a positive environment, you're going to get the best out of these people. And that's hopefully the environment you create in these scenarios. And and I think it came through in the doc piece and even, even the fans after, like I just, I sent Ari and, and Dan Schramm up and Kyle, I said, just get me their reactions. So don't produce it. Just ask them what they thought. And, you know, these were very passionate fans who spent a good amount of money for no matches to be announced. We we announced one match. We announced Nick Aldis and Tim Storm. But a majority of the tickets were sold even before that. And it's really been this passion of everybody involved from the fans who've supported it. And again, we know what we are. It's why we're this is one of the many, 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 many ideas that Billy and I have conceived for our 20-year plan, which we're now in year two and a half. And w this is just one format of the show. The, the, the studio wrestling show, you know, I would, I would say this is not our Monday Night Raw type show, you know, but we love this room. The, the room is, to me, akin to being at the ECW Arena in 1995, where it's this environment that people – will want to come not only perform, but watch shows. And it's really a testament to what uh, Georgia and the, the state of Georgia created for Georgia Championship Wrestling back in in the 70s. And obviously with World Championship Wrestling, people fondly I, – I've, I've read every bit of feedback. And, and uh, I think you've known me long enough to know I go for emotion with a lot of our stuff and because it's – it's simple. And, and when, when you get into to lanes that people don't understand or can't relate to, but everybody that's a, a 35 to 55 year old wrestling fan remembers these shows. But the really interesting thing, and I, I dove deep into our analytics, 83% of our audience that watched this show um, were of the age, I think it was 18 to 44. 
So you would say, oh, the NWA is an older brand, but the audience that's watching on YouTube is is 82 percent, 18 to 44. And I think that's really interesting that this show is react. That fan base that's watching it is is skewing that young. Uh, as someone that's, you know, on top of all of this stuff, uh, tell me a bit about the decision of the distribution method to go YouTube and Facebook as opposed to, you know, other ideas out there like a Twitch or a pay component to it. Tell me a bit about the the strategy behind YouTube and Facebook specifically. Yeah, and, and we pitched this show to no television networks. We've talked to um, potential partners, but never – this. Billy has let everybody know that has ever reached out about positioning of the brand. I'm doing this show with or without you. And he wanted to remain one and 100% in control of it because in his dealings with um, that debutante from uh, Brentwood, Tennessee and other people, you know, they, they basically, they, they love him for his celebrity, but never would let him have get be 100% in control of something. And this show is the the pure realization of everything we've been working on for two years. So we wanted to come out of the come out of the gate with exactly a simple vision that shows what we're capable of. And it's again why we protected the show so strongly before air. And you, you can't buy that reaction. You can't. And I think for it to be and, and the placement of, of the of the when we wanted to do it, it was all very uh measured in what we wanted to do. As far as distribution Again, Billy self-financed it, and it, we consider it brand building. And is it financially uh, sustainable in its current form? As of this moment, no. But just like Netflix runs at a deficit and a giant deficit, I mean billions of dollars, the brand build on this and the, 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 the proving of the audience I think is something that, again, you can't buy. It's why we've kept – it's why we shot nine shows over two days. It's why – um, we, we built out a model because putting it, putting this season basically available for free on two platforms like Facebook and YouTube uh, was very measured because it, those are platforms we've done well on. It's easy to use. Looked into Twitch. We have no, we had no standing on Twitch. You know, we had no, we have no channel. It would have been, it, we would have done 200 people on Twitch and you know, there's, there's enough wrestling on Twitch. It's not a platform we're native to. So really what I think drove numbers were the the fact that clips were on Twitter. So if, even if you weren't watching it live, you saw that brawl with Eddie Kingston and uh, Homicide lead into the Josephus. And we're like, what the hell is this? And you would click the embedded link in the in the Twitter video and you would be taken right to the episode. That was all sort of measured in a way we call it a hothouse effect and, and a pressure cooker. But you feel like you mess miss something. And it even I mean, I. I'm very curious how The Rock saw it. You know, like did somebody re- that he follows retweet a clip and then he just dove into it? Like that's how people consume content. You want it to surprise them. And, and this show is completely engineered every Tuesday to be featuring promos and moments that even if you've read spoilers will surprise you and knock you on your ass. And I think that's I think that's missing in not only wrestling but content. And I think pro wrestling has always had the ability for uh, conflict and conflict resolution. As much as uh, you and I would love to see Justin Bieber versus Tom Cruise, we know that fight's never happening. But pro wrestling and this environment, can anything can happen. And, uh, and what's really interesting, it doesn't have to be wrestlers. You know, I can see uh, very smart people understanding that this show is a chance for them to come uh, promote themselves, but also air their beefs 
in a, in a, I hate to say Jerry Springer, but in a format that really fits how modern, the modern world exists. Of, of the different potential partnerships out there, of what you can reveal, was the WWE Network ever a potential landing spot for this show? We've spoken to the WWE multiple times since we bought the brand, even before we started running. Um, they're obviously talking to everybody. So anything is on the table with them and anybody else, but again, under the same guidelines. So it's, you know, we're very open to doing business, but again, we wanted to prove what we could do without anybody else so that now when we go in there, we can present a clear vision because I've been pitching television shows on and off for 18 years and you go into these rooms with these people and they, they, they are of, of the same mind as you as a creator. How much is it going to cost? How much audience am I going to bring? And when you aren't up in WWE was able to get their giant television deal based on numbers, what they're able to bring and analytics and your deals are based on what you bring to the table. So for us, that's how we wanted to like prove the point. And for us to get the numbers we got in one in one day it really showed the potential. And I think it, it's not it's and I think there's a lot of curiosity factor on any new shows like I'm sure that first week numbers for the mass singer were probably really strong. And then the quality of the show, I think, determines if people will come back. And I think the word of mouth coming out of this show and the, and the emotion it hit really, I think, gives it a very long tail build moving forward. As a creator and at this stage of your career, I mean, how it, it seems like you're coming across that, you know, your vision, you know, your team's vision is of the utmost importance. If you know, when a giant offer potentially comes your way, how how compromising are you willing to be if there's other people that are suddenly in the mix? And we, we see this where there's big partnerships and then suddenly creativity gets dispersed among many people. Is that something that the two of you are very adamant about being able to present the product you guys have conceived and being able to fulfill that that vision throughout the long term? And, and I think it's really key in not only just in making content, but life. Once you accept somebody else's money, you work for them and on with them. And so you have to spend a lot of time uh, really getting to know somebody. And obviously, it's it's good that Billy and I are so aligned and been friends for so long that, you know, our, our, when we when he came to TNA and the, and the, the Viper pit slash um, Game of Thrones, as he's discussed, that that happened in 2016, we saw a lot of a lot of people really revealed themselves or who they are and aren't. And it's it's the greatest documentary that they should have been recording. And I actually joked with Billy back then. I was like, you want to bring my camera? I said, I said, there's a lot of shit going on here that we should probably that people wouldn't believe happened. And there is so much, uh, so much, so much that happened in 2016 that I don't think people would believe it would make a great uh, murder mystery without the murder. Um, <laughs> I didn't but, know where you were going with that one, <laughs> but I neither did I. Um, but you know, it was, so for us, we learned who we well aligned with. And again, when we picked the talents we wanted to, there, there is no ego in that locker room. And, you know, and, and, and I think it was really well laid out by James Storm, an interview he did with Sean Rice Sop. You know, he was very clear that Billy and him did not get along in TNA. It was very contentious. And so, over this last year, James Storm has come to see what we're trying to do. And I think, the, you know, is that the high tide rises all boats? Is that the analogy? He, you know, the everybody that's worked with us has gotten has been built up and and really feels bigger and better. And it's it's and that attention to detail. So 
any partners we'd want. This is something we've taken on. And Billy has laid his money on the line. And, and I'm very conscious on, on every decision. It has to be tied to brand building. And, you know, as we as we add more and more talents to exclusive deals, the vision is explained to them. This is not an easy payday. This is not you're going to get paid all this money and then you don't have to work hard for it. Everybody has incentive to grow this because as a pre-revenue type of brand, when this explodes, those who have been loyal and have worked really hard are the first to be rewarded with this, and including myself. And I don't know if people realize how much and how small this team is. I mean, really, the, the entire team is me, Billy, Maureen, Josephus, and that's basically it on a day-to-day basis. Nick Aldis is very involved as well. He's, he's here in Nashville now. You know, he, I, I lean on him heavily for a lot of wrestling-related stuff. Uh, you know, Matt Conway was simply helping with the TVs and moving forward. But the team is small. I, I, I edited every second of that show. And, you know, I'm working on clips right now, you know, to, to, to dive it up. But this is what it has to happen. And we've slowly expanded the circle. It's why, you know, I've been very much, I'm sure like you and Wei are, it's very hard to let con- let go control of something you've worked very hard to grow. But like guys like Kenny Johnson and Ari Dalton and Matt, Newton Walters out in the UK. I've slowly expanded our circle of content creators that understand the vision of what we're trying to do and the authenticity. And each of them have done very well. And Dan Schramm as well. Um, and and these are the people that have taken a bet on this vision and executed it and and get creativity inside of it. Like I, I handed the formats to Kyle Davis, who I've known. He was my Ring of Honor uh, stick man back on the HCNet era. He goes, well, what do you want? I said, go through the formats and just get me anything before and after that that fits. And I'm going through all of it. And, and he did a great job. And because I, you can't micromanage everything, you just have to put the, the trust in the talented people. And again, everybody there is very talented. So any partners, long, long way to get to the, to the answer, any partners have to be aligned in that same trust. And by the way, trust is two ways. So whatever platform we go on, it ha- we have to feel like we know what our upside is, what their upside is, and it aligned vision. As the first episode went live, uh, had you even begun to think about episode two and when does the uh, the putting together of the second episode occur after, you know, the feedback to the first episode? What, when is that kind of entering your your orbit of the follow-up? Uh, today. Um, you know, and, and we're building, as you understand, and anybody that makes content, there's a workflow to all this. And Billy Trask uh, and Dave Marquez have been really helpful in helping me build this workflow because they obviously do this on a weekly basis out in Hollywood. Multi-camera editing um, in Premiere, uh, I felt like I was learning Klingon uh, the first two hours. I was calling Billy every five minutes to make sure I didn't screw anything up. But now that I got a, a hang of it, and really it's just it's finding the right moments. Like there's a moment in the first show where Sal Renaro jumps off the top rope. Well, it didn't exist on any camera except the wide shot, the way we got it. So, okay. I made sure that that was in the show. Cause that's very memeable. That's very memeable is the word, um, mm-hmm. you know? And so we'll make a meme out of, you know, somebody flying through the air and just getting nailed with a punch. Okay. So th- the post is really more about what is, best for viewer not just recutting the show because I want to have final cut. It's really deciding the visuals of making it come into your living room. And I, I watched and Billy watched and Matt Conway and, and Nick, we all watched a ton of Georgia championship wrestling and world championship wrestling and tried to pull 
all the stuff we loved out of it and tried to avoid a lot of the stuff that just kind of felt fat. And I talked to Brian Alvarez yesterday and, you know, he talked about a lot of the matches on the old uh, Techwood show. They were, they were long, like an eight minute jobber match where Ronnie Garvin beat the guy up for seven minutes. Well, we're not going to do that. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be the, what is best for the characters and, and their authentic self. So really finding all of that has been something we've really worked hard at uh, every step of the process. Uh, someone I want to ask you about, because you, you know him as well as anybody, and it's very few, because this guy has been like in the midst of a national wrestling promotion for a decade plus, but we know nothing about this man, and his name is Matt Conway, who is part of your team. This guy is like the most unassuming like person that's been in the midst of the creative process for over a decade. Can you tell me just a little bit about Matt Conway and why he was uh, a necessary member of your team, what he brings to the team? Matt, Matt's been, I think he started on TNA Creative in 08, maybe 07. And he had worked in TNA in licensing, I think, 05, 06, 07. Um, Matt's one of the smartest, most uh, critical people that you need somebody there that, that is great to bounce ideas off of. You know, he, he learned, you know, he learned with Vince Russo, but Matt is, he, there's a certain temperament you need for this job. And, you know, Matt has the perfect temperament. He does not like attention. (laughs) He, um, that seems obvious. Yeah. He, he is, um, very private and, and I think that's very smart because he understands. And, and I think, I don't know if it's, it was his relationship with Vince or, you know, he understood what he wanted to get out of it. Trust me, I pushed him to do multiple interviews. I, even, even in the doc piece, he appears as a um, as, on a phone call. But all you see is a picture on my uh, my rent a car um, screen. And it's one of my favorite pictures of Matt that I took after a TNA taping where he's just so frustrated by the day, looking at his phone, so anger. And this woman next to him who looks like. She's his wife, but isn't. It makes me laugh every time he calls me because um, it just encapsulated a moment of time in our TNA run. But now Matt is one of the I don't think I would have lasted at TNA without Matt, you know, because I got the, the the funny joke is when I was brought in, I was brought in to do all wheels wrestling and ring to king and, and no and no impact. It was how I negotiated my deal because the budgets on those shows were lower. And of course, as, as uh, was very common with a lot of people in TNA, I was deceived into what my role and duty were. And then I was like thrown into impact and like, oh, well, we discussed your deal. And it took almost a year to get it done. Uh, but I remember walking to Matt and I was like, you and me, he's like, you and me working together. He's like, wait, what? Because they didn't tell him. So we kind of got thrown in the pool together and we're told to figure it out. And you know, there's a lot of egos in creative, but we we just sat down and, and thankfully we both became really good friends. And we still talk every three days and we text all the time about multiple things. Um, we're even in the what used to be the TNA uh, Fantasy Football League, which I believe as of this moment, only Bob Ryder is the only person that still works in TNA that is in the TNA League. Um, oh, wow. But, you know, but Matt is um, he's really creative. He gets it. You know, he. He has a full-time uh, job. He works for uh, a music management company that manages the band Alabama. Very private, loves wrestling. And anytime you talk wrestling with him, you have to be three months behind because he's always, he's been three months behind on pro wrestling for nine years. It's my favorite thing. He's like, he'll text <laughs> me, bro, this WrestleMania main event. I'm like, dude, it's SummerSlam. What are you doing? And so he's he's always three months behind, you know, and he's, he's one of my best friends in the business. 
And again, of all the people, um, of all the people we wanted to be there, he was the number one call. And, you know, he, he loves wrestling. And, you know, Bischoff even said it, I think, on one of his podcasts that there, there's no reason why he isn't in WWE, except I don't think he, he doesn't want to he doesn't want to do that life because he likes the speed that his life moves. And, you know, the fact that we can have him involved in our product is I th- it, Billy and I were so appreciative of him being there. Well, he, uh, he it's just always interesting to me. Like he obviously keeps a very low profile, but maybe if he finds this interview three months from now, he has a open invite to ever come now, on and discuss. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I can neither confirm nor deny that Matt Conway is the question mark who you'll be seeing in upcoming episodes, which uh, it's funny when people ask me about what's things to look for. The question mark, um, again, and, and by the way, you're six weeks away from seeing the question mark. But when you see it, that might be Matt Conway. Well, you you have mastered the art of the tease, David Lagana. It's, it's <laughs> what I do. Uh, last week, uh, maybe an unfair question. Did you ever get to come up for air to absorb um, what was a very chaotic week in pro wrestling and any impressions of AEW's launch, the Fox launch, or were you just uh, completely immersed in the lead up to Power's debut? Uh a, a file uh, transfer, not error, it took a lot longer to transfer the files than I was told. So my plan was to get home from uh, get home from Atlanta and, and sit down and watch both of them. That didn't happen. I got I literally walked in the house, um, I think, 10 minutes before AEW ended. So I haven't watched a lot of it. I did watch a little last night. Um, I think both them and NXT decided to do what they're doing to compete with each other. And I think it helps our show is a complete 180 from what they're doing. And I think that was by design. And, you know, I I thought everything looked big. I thought the Fox show looked huge. It felt fun. Um, I think it was really a unique week for wrestling. And the fact that we could be a part of it, I think, was great. But I think it's great that that people are getting a chance to prove their visions. And I think that's really – I think the best part of what what this whole process is, you know, Triple H has a vision for NXT. Tony Khan, the Bucks, Cody and Kenny Omega have a vision for AW and, and Billy and I have a, a vision for ours. And I state this line very often, and it's a Gary Vaynerchuk line. The market decides and the market will decide if they want to stick with it because it's a slog. I mean, weekly content, daily content, especially in an ever changing world where. I saw this CNBC story yesterday that kids now, teenagers are, are more adept to watch YouTube than Netflix. And I think the ability to offer choices on how you watch content, where you watch it, and um, how you interact with it is very important. And we've made very conscious decisions to make our content expandable. And I was just finishing this Eddie Kingston interview. I, I You've watched a lot of our content. It's nonlinear in a way that I don't think you see a lot in pro wrestling. Like I like starting at the end and then starting over because I think I think people want to know what they're getting into. If I click a video and it's 13 minutes, 13 minutes is a lot of my time and you have to earn the trust. And I think that's the one thing. And, and Nick talks about it a lot. We've earned the trust of our audience and people who've watched our content. And what's really cool is all those people that that checked us out for the first time. Their feedback tells me, well, they like what they found and they probably haven't watched any of it yet. This is the, if this is the first thing they're watching, boy, are they going to be excited to watch 10 pounds of gold because now there's this, and this was the intention of 10 pounds. There's this living documentary of how we got here 
And one of my favorite episodes that we did were the the All In Coming series with with Cody and the Bucks and Nick and Billy leading into All In. And if you if you want to if you want to if you want to remember what it was like in August and here we are now, it's um it's really interesting to go back and see what it, what was discussed then and what has become what is wrestling now. Uh, was it 13 months later? Well, uh, we can wrap it up there because uh, I, I think that everyone coming out of that show on Tuesday night, I think they were either pleasantly surprised or they got what they invested their time in. And I mean, you've talked about it. We've certainly discussed it, that as many hours are tacked on to the wrestling schedule every week, the number that doesn't fluctuate is your free time. So I think Mm -hmm. you have an audience now that are very, they are going to be critical if they feel that they've given you your time and not received a payoff for that. And I feel like it was as unanimous as you're going to see uh, this past Tuesday night for those that sat down, watched your show, got a show long story. And at the end of it, you got the answer regarding Tim Storm's final opportunity at the NWA championship. And it seemed that those people that gave you those 60 minutes were happy with that investment on Tuesday. And I think what you'll find is, and you know, this is what these nine shows, you know, lead up to our uh, pay-per-view event, which people will find out on Tuesday with the name of that pay-per-view event. Um, and these stories that the story does not end for Tim Storm here. And it's why even even the I fluctuated on what the final shot was. And, and even like and, and, and I don't know, is, is Dokken big in Canada? Like like once once that, that song kind of came in, that that just using it as the beginning and end of the show like that, that final image that uh, there's no wasted motion with the show. And, and so that that moment between Nick and Tim and then, by the way, it's a real relationship. Here are two guys that were uh, oil and water, you know, the, the bringing them together to be the launch of the brand back in 2017 in the first match. And boy, when we announced when, when it was came out that those two were going to be the guys launching a brand and, and the groans that came. Oh, Magnus and some old guy we never met. You know, to to come full circle and for them to have uh, the genre shifting uh, uh, performance that everyone's talking about to me is such a satisfaction for all the work they put in and for Billy to have believed in them and me and to to execute it. I mean, Tim Storm is the nicest man on the planet. He's the most tan man on the planet as well. Uh, I called him yesterday and he was tanning. Um, I said, Tim, TV's not for eight weeks. He's like, I got to be ready. So, um, you know. and I think there's a demand now for for Mama Storm to make some kind of appearance at some point. That phone call has been made. Uh, <laughs> she is uh, she is blown away by it. And by the way, it's it's that's very real. Like like that that is not a manufactured. Like he calls her after shows. He'll never call her in advance of a show because she it's the same conversation. Why aren't you a referee? You're gonna get hurt. Tim's been wrestling for 20 years. You know, it's 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 so unique. But I think everyone can relate to that. And I think that's why it, it felt good. So no, it's like, like to me that that first episode and I, I, I don't use the word perfect, but it, it as far as a one hour show, we were going to be judged by that show. And there, there's very, again, little fat. And it's just it's your time is very valuable. And as I ramble on wasting people's time, as I talk about how valuable the time is, I think weekly the way that you people discovered the show this week will not change. And there will always be, oh, did you see this great interview that Nick Aldis cut and you found it on Twitter? And then it's up to you to decide if you want to digest the whole show. But that's how the world lives now. And it's it's headline reading. And so we, we won the day and had a great headline. And the, the goal is to make moments. I mean, 
Wait till you see Aaron Stevens, a.k.a. Damian Sandow. He has a performances on these shows that I think, again, reinvents him in a way that people is familiar. Uh, and, and going back to question mark, there's so much interesting stuff and characters and, and Melina and Ken Anderson and Trevor Murdoch, people that many people would, would have written off and were done with the business get a, this this, they get to walk into this environment that plays to their strengths. And all of our new characters like Ricky Starks and Thunder Rosa, and along with our current cast. And, and the, the, the thing I've talked about, the, the open will change every week. So those title cards, will be, the people on the episode will be featured. And it's I rib myself with the amount of work I give, them, give it. But, you know, I think it's going to be a, a fun way to start the show every week. Well, you can uh, either catch up on it or uh, continue on Tuesday nights, 6.05 p.m. Eastern Time on the NWA's YouTube and Facebook channels. Uh, you can follow at Lagana and maybe share your own feedback uh, to the show. Yeah. Uh, David, I really appreciate you know you uh, coming on the show here, uh, lending us a lot of your time. I know it's in short supply, but uh, really great to chat with you about the show. And congratulations. Like This was um, a huge launch for you guys on, on Tuesday night, and it was really something to see uh, the reaction in the, the hours following the premiere. Thank you, John. I appreciate it.